0: All right. Can't wait to play this sick new game with the crew.
1: Just have to get through the tutorial. Welcome to the game. In this game, you'll be- All right, Skip. Please look down at your hands. These are your hands. Yes, These let you interact with the world- All right, Skip. To interact with the start menu, raise your hand and point at the button. Then pull the trigger on your right- Skip. Great work. In this game, you can sometimes grab objects. In order to grab an object, reach out your hand and press the okay, skip fantastic now you are going to learn how to walk you using serious? your legs place one foot serious? in front of the other in order to translate your body forwards All right, this allows you this. to move through Come the forward. world at the pace of a human congratulations you are now ready to play head-mounted destinations enjoy Hello and welcome to Head Mounted Destinations, a podcast about VR and VR game development. We provide our perspective as developers and provide a sneak peek behind the curtain for anyone interested in how VR games are made. I'm your friendly neighborhood game designer, Carlos, and with me as always is... Matt. I'm a gameplay engineer. And today we're talking about how to train your player. Real quick, I want to give an example of the
0: kind of things that you run into as a developer and you're trying to get people into the game.
1: Because you, listener,
0: you might be a super cool seasoned VR player who is never confused. But when you're a developer and you're doing usability testing or or just play testing in general, you're going to get a wide variety of people and you're going to be putting them in the headset. And I would say about 50% of the time, people will not move. Or look around or do anything, even though that's what VR is all about, right? It's all about putting them in this, in this virtual space. But if you stick them in the, in the game and you say, walk up to and grab this thing, they will just reach out their hand and it, their hand will be too far away to grab it. And they'll just tap the trigger and be like, I don't get it. Why am I not grabbing? Or like they won't even like look up. And so you're coming in and somehow your game has to teach players that they can like move their feet or like interact with the environment at all. But then the moment that you do teach the player that, oh, you can grab a thing and they sort of realize what's going on, that it's VR. Now they're like, oh, it's just like real life. I can grab everything, right? So now they're they're trying to grab everything. But of course, they can't grab everything. And on top of that, you got to teach them what the heck they're actually doing in this game, what their objective is. And people don't read uh people don't look at images that you show them people don't listen to things that the game tells them with audio in fact if you draw a line to a thing about half the time they'll just totally ignore that line that's pulsing and like shooting light rays at the thing they're supposed to look at it's a huge issue
1: there are just a lot of players who don't really understand how to communicate with the world around them yes like whether it be in a non-VR game or exponentially more difficult in a vr game um like matt was saying oftentimes new players will be very hesitant especially new vr players will be very hesitant to move around in their space at all if they have like more than standing room to like walk around in it's a very real concern that someone may like walk into a wall by accident, you know, if they're, if they're so fresh to the VR world. Also, like, what the heck do each of these buttons do, right? Like, even people who come from a traditional non VR gaming background, like, they know A, B, X, Y, they know shoulder buttons and triggers, they don't necessarily understand that that carried over for the most part, to the VR marketplace with like the Oculus controllers kind of aping that design and like breaking it in half with each motion controller and the other manufacturers like kind of following suit. So we at least have somewhat of an analog from non-VR to VR But we still, it's presented in such a way that even the people, some people familiar with it are kind of confused on how to interact with it or, or use those things. Those are your tools to interact with the world. So really how to train your player is equal parts, how to teach your player to use the tools in their hands, aka the controllers to communicate with your world. And then to take it a step further, what language within the world can the player use to like, Enable gameplay. Right.
0: But of course, everyone has had the experience of going through a boring tutorial where the game's talking at you and dryly teaching these concepts. So we're also faced with the extra challenge of how do we get all of this into the player's head, but without just sitting there and telling them?
1: Yeah. Like, how do we start the game in a bombastic way that isn't you just spawn in a dark void and It's telling you these are what buttons do and this is what a thing is, but more so maybe taking notes from games that we'll bring up later in the episode such as Vader Immortal where like the introduction will be more of a set piece cinematic narrative moment that gradually teaches you one or two or three button functions before bringing you to another chapter where later on it teaches you more stuff. So two ways to tackle Fatui's that we will certainly be diving into in just a little bit. Fatui is... stands for what? Oh yes, Fatui. Sorry, dear listener. So F-T-U-E, Fatui, stands for First Time User Experience. This is literally the first time the user experiences the product, meaning if you're playing Fruit Ninja VR, that's when you have the headset on, you click the play button on Fruit Ninja VR for the first time, and... Like it just, from black screen there, that is your first time user experience. Developers will tackle this differently project to project. We have seen these fatuis where it loads you into a void before you even get to a main menu and it's teaching you how to use the buttons and such. We've seen ones such as until you fall where it's, you have a main menu and you just point and click to select new game. And once you select new game, it kicks you into the fatui. And we've, we've seen just a litany of ways that can, this can be handled, and we'll be bringing up bits and pieces from things we've experienced to kind of hopefully develop a, a picture of good practices and or principles to follow when trying to train your player.
0: Yeah, so Fatui, at, a, at its highest level, it really just means literally the first time the player uses the game, like, what are they experiencing? but it becomes a bit of a shorthand for just like boring tutorial sequence where you're having some discussion of like, oh, how how will we like tell the player about this feature? Ah, We'll just throw it into the Fatui to, to the point where like on a lot of games that have like meta systems of like you get points so you can craft stuff or there's like battle passes that you can buy or whatever. The Fatui is like all those like boxes that pop up of like, Here's how you do this thing. And this currency is used for this. And you just like skip, 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 skip all the way through. So it sort of becomes this like junkyard of just like, I don't know how we'll solve this design problem. I guess we'll throw it into the Fatui. And so I think like it gets a bad rap from that side of things. But uh, like I want to demonstrate at least what I think is a good Fatui from this game, this VR game that I worked on. It's like a 3D bubble shooter. You have a slingshot and the first time user experience. A lot of VR games, you have to like calibrate height, or you have to like click start on a menu and you have like a laser pointer, you're interacting with the the UI. But we figured, hey, what we want is the very first thing the player does, we want that to be the core mechanic of the game, right? Because their mind is open. They're like, all right, I'm going in this game. I don't know what to expect. They're going to latch on to the first thing that they do. So the first thing that we do, we show in front of them the ammo that's going to be loaded into the slingshot. And we say, grab this. What we do is actually they can use either of the common grab buttons to grab it. So they're learning, quote unquote, learning the button. We calibrate the height at that moment as well. Okay, so they've learned to they grab this ammo in the slingshot. And then we spawn the slingshot in their hand. And we say, pull the slingshot back and shoot it at this thing. And the thing that they're shooting at, is the ultimate objective of the game is you're trying to destroy these cores. Okay, so now they've learned how to use the slingshot. They've learned that you shoot the thing at this object, they destroy it. Victory. And now we move them on to the next level. Shoot these bubbles. You shoot the bubbles, it exposes another core. You shoot the core. Victory sounds again, and now the UI comes up. Instead of using some other interaction mechanic to interact with the UI, they use the slingshot to shoot the button to start the game. And so in this sequence, they've learned how to interact with the UI, yes, but more importantly, they've learned the core loop of the game without ever really being like told. Yes, there, there is extra helper messages that will come up if they don't succeed in the thing. It was very straightforward. We have front-loaded all the important aspects of the game into the very beginning in a very like intuitive sequence. That, to me, is the ideal scenario. You learn all about the game without realizing you're learning about the game and without realizing that you're being taught. That's the ideal first time user experience. Of course, that's a very simple game. And so you start running into issues when you have a whole host of mechanics and multiple core loops. That's, I think, where you get bogged down and and you get into the, the really boring tutorials that get a bad
1: rep. Uh, uh. I don't know if introducing multiple mechanics during the Fatui automatically leads it to being a bad, potentially overwhelming Fatui. I think if we look at maybe things like The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners and Half-Life Alex, we can draw some good data from these Fatuis.
0: Yeah, Saints and Sinners is, I think, an example of like, it kind of teaches you everything Thing in that first sequence
1: but it's not super boring it's not within the story either that's true uh i want to kind of nail into that a little harder like this this fatui in saints and sinners is still a kind of it's you're in a warehouse so at least they're using assets from in the game but it's still an abstract location it's not like when you complete the fatui in there you walk out the building and suddenly you're in the game world and now the game begins
0: There's a character in there they literally call Tutorial Man.
1: Oh, I love Tutorial Man. (laughs) This is actually... Tutorial Man is one of the reasons why Saints and Sinners Fatui is one of my favorites. Because in the last part of the Fatui, they are teaching you how to talk to other characters. This game has a dialogue system. So at this point, you've already been given weapons and you know how to use them and if you so choose you have the freedom to just kill the person tutorial man that you're supposed to talk to and and if you do this it'll it'll spawn in a new tutorial man who looks different like it just randomly picks like a a male or female character to to like talk to you and then you pick a dialogue option and you could just keep killing them like over and over in the middle of their sentences and a new guy will walk out every time and <laughs> that's hilarious That's a moment that breaks logic for the game world, but it's within the context of this abstract warehouse fatui that you know isn't actually part of the world. So it's almost like equal parts acceptable and unacceptable. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, it's a good example of like you have to be very conscious of how you structure your tutorial and like the choices you make there. Because as a developer, you have a bunch of things that you need to accomplish in order to get the game out the door. And you think, oh, we need to teach the player how to interact with a character. The easiest solution is to make them invincible because it's a huge pain in the ass to program the ability for the player to kill them, and then you spawn a new one and all this stuff. But if you make an invincible tutorial man then the player learns implicitly that you can't kill NPCs in the game, which is not the case in Saints and Sinners. In Saints and Sinners, you can kill anyone and it, it impacts the story. It's funny and it's like a good solution to it, but like, it's also very important that you can kill Tutorial Man because otherwise the player will learn the wrong lesson.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point and one I definitely didn't identify till today, but Within that game, there are many points that you'll be in the middle of dialogue with neutral leaning towards hostile enemies where you absolutely have the freedom to do what you did the tutorial, man. If you wanted to just say, like, screw it, I'm going, like, full Negan, you're just like, bam, lay waste to whoever talks to you. And the tutorial lets you do that to know that it's possible, which goes from joke to, like, oh my god, when it actually happens in the world. But probably the only thing it doesn't tell you if you were to do that is is that a bunch of other npcs around you are going to get mad and start shooting (laughs) at you (laughs) so they teach that later on in the game but that is not reserved for the fatui um something they do in the fatui again referencing saints and sinners it this warehouse is not a freely explorable warehouse it's a very linear sequence so on and so on i watched this yeah it's So it's interesting. It starts in a black
0: void and it teaches you a couple of inventory management things, which is like ultimately the core of the game is fumbling around with the stuff that you have on your body um, and manipulating it effectively. And then it puts you into the warehouse, has you grab a knife, has you stab a walker in the head as the first thing, stab a couple of walkers, teaches you about weapon durability, then teaches you about shaking zombies off, then gives you a gun, teaches you about shooting. They're communicating a certain importance level of each thing by ordering it like that, right? If they put guns before knives, now they're saying this game game is mostly about shooting. But by putting knives first, they're saying, really, this game's about stabbing walkers in the head and fumbling around with like bandages on your arm.
1: It's saying this is a tactile game in introducing the smaller... Craftier, breakable stuff. It's also saying this is a game about, in a way, stealth. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you have this small shiv, take out this walker who's like kind of quietly mumbling, and it just kind of like builds from there. Where the using the pistol is going to be the obviously loudest option. I think they even give you a little, a little heads up like, hey, this is awareness or whatever. Um, and a lot of this stuff is taught by, uh, in the in their it's taught by either diagrams on a whiteboard that's like on a table in front of the player and or little diagrams that appear next to the hand or character that the player is supposed to do something with
0: yeah but i think it's important to understand and this is one of the things that you learn almost immediately when you get into development players don't read players don't listen to things like players will ignore 99% of the clues that you give them. So you have to give them every type of clue. And what that comes down to is like, yes, you have diagrams, you have lighting, right? You have like the well lit areas are the things that they should pay attention to. You have potentially audio, uh, some sort of voice, you you have like lots of feedback on the thing, right? So you're teaching people, if you want someone to grab something, it highlights, it has a little sheen, it has a sparkle. It has a line from your hand to the thing. That line is pulsing with light going towards the thing. You maybe show the controller uh, overlaid on top of their hand, and you show the glowing button, and you have like a line pointing to the button. Uh, you have haptics vibrating the controller that pulse at the same frequency as you're pulsing the highlight of the button that they're supposed to press. You have some sort of sound that's also pulsing at that frequency, you know you have some some sort of arrow that's pointing and it's moving and it's scaling up and down and changing color you try to throw in as much feedback as possible to draw the player's attention to the thing that you're trying to teach them in the hopes that they're gonna understand that they're gonna like notice and pay attention to
1: like one of these to give a little bit of credit to the player it is partially like you severely need to limit the amount of information you're giving to a player. Players are not coming... Most players are not coming into a game to go, like, actually utilize, like, this the biggest amount of IQ in their brain. Like, they they are engaging <laughs> in a leisure activity that is a video game, and they want to know how to engage with your game, but they don't want to read a full, like, paragraph. A paragraph is far too much. We've seen... Uh, like Nintendo really take this, a lot of what you said, Matt, Nintendo kind of takes to heart and they work it in creative ways by keeping text short. When they mention characters, they add a picture. Like if, so, if someone says Bowser, it'll show Bowser's face next to it. The same for Peach or Mario. Um, in Legend of Zelda games, as well as Mario games, like key items or characters mentioned are highlighted in a color on the text. So when it comes to VR and just general like info dumping on the player, you want to be as direct and concise as possible. Right. So if, if your tutorial is turn on the generator, like you want it to be like, turn on generator by pressing X or like press X to activate generator. Like that's even more straightforward. Um, And it could be, it could be even more straightforward by just having the having something say like activate generator and then when you approach it like a square button appears and that new like pop-up thing that appears notifies the player oh i'm close enough i have been given feedback by the world and this thing is now beckoning me with a button i can see on my controller the problem we have in VR, though, is that we can't see the buttons on our controllers once the game is actually happening. We often only see these controllers during kind of tutorial moments, like at the beginning of Vader Immortal, when they tell you to punch it on the thruster.
0: Yeah, I think this is more broadly uh, can be described as like there's like a contract that the player and the game has. Really, the the what you're trying to do at the beginning is you're not trying to teach the player every lesson. You're trying to teach them just enough that they can, like, bootstrap themselves in the world with, like, the the implicit clues that it gives, as well as avoiding teaching them the wrong lessons. So, like, if they're going to need to press a button to do a thing in the game, you better make damn sure that they know where that button is and how to press it on their controller at the start otherwise that's gonna take them out of the game or or it's almost a violation of this contract of like oh i thought i only had to press trigger in this game but now you're also making me press x all the time and like that's a jolt so like at the beginning making sure they they know where x is on the controller and like what x means and if x means doing my special ability then you don't want to violate that contract later on in the game by having x do something else also that's almost uh, two sides of the same coin, right? You don't want to teach them the wrong lesson in the beginning. That wrong lesson perhaps being X do- only, is only used to activate your special power. But then also like that's now a contract. And so teaching the wrong lesson and violating that contract later are, are is like the same thing. And a good example of that I think also is here's a specific anecdote is when I was working on battle wake, we had this issue where at the the start of the match, none of the controls on the ship were interactable. You had this wheel in front of you, but because play hadn't started quite yet, we were, and we were doing some like quote pregame stuff. We didn't make that interactable, but which is terrible because the moment people are put into a space And, you know, they understand, oh, in VR, I can touch things to interact with them. They're immediately going to try to touch things. And if they touch the wheel and the wheel doesn't react to that interaction, then the lesson that they've learned is this is not an interactable object. But then a couple seconds later, we're done with the pregame stuff. We enable it and we're, we're violating that contract or we've taught them the wrong lesson. It seems like such a such a minor thing like, oh, but like for the majority of the game, you're interacting interacting with this thing. So like, you know, whatever, they'll they'll learn. But it's just like, it's another point of friction. It's, and these things add up of like, oh, maybe you should make it interactable. But if you make it interactable, then they're going to interact with it. And do you make this, this ship start moving based on that interaction? But you need to do this pregame stuff. So if the ship is moving, that's going to be confusing. But if the ship doesn't move, you're teaching them the wrong lesson. And you get into this like spiral and so this the Fatui and, like, delivering all the correct lessons and not delivering any wrong lessons can also start feeding back into, like, hmm, maybe we should change the total, like, structure of our game or, like, some core design elements, which is where I think it gets tricky. And then you get bad bad UX on the tutorial because it's like, eh, whatever. They'll just play it once.
1: Yeah, that's a... I feel like that's a major pitfall that potentially a lot of VR devs fall into is... This is only going to be played once uh, and, you know, we only need to get the bare minimum out so that they can get to the game. And to some extent, maybe a dev is inclined to downplay the Fatui because potentially like their own player experience has been, wow, this is annoying. This keeps me away from the fun part. Like, I want to play the game already. Even worse, if it's a multiplayer game, you're like, my friend invited me to play at 7, I like started the game up at, at 7, and now it's 7.15 and I'm still in a tutorial, and I just wanted to play a game with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, something about the fidelity contract that I wanted to mention with like the new button input, it's just another tutorial or maybe rather than calling it a tutorial in that context like hey you are already pressing grip button now to charge whatever you're holding like press a while you're holding it with the grip button like that is just another learning moment you don't need to put that in your fatui per se but if you are changing the rules of communication between the player and the world you absolutely need to take a moment to teach that to the player whether it be a set piece animation that shows you oh this thing interacts with this thing in a certain way or some sort of dummy enemy that like just has no awareness of you that just like allows you to use a tool on them or something you just need another learning moment don't go into your game thinking players will just understand because something has been done enough in video games, there's always someone that's not going to get it or is going to misread it due to one reason or another.
0: I mean, especially in VR, because there you've got all these new players that are... Importing wildly different assumptions about the world um, whether it's they're expecting it to act exactly like the real world or they're expecting it to act nothing like the real world and then you've got experienced VR players that there's certain conventions in VR games now that have been somewhat established that they're expecting it to be similar to that even if those conventions are maybe not the best overall, it's still lower friction to to inherit them there's also when you're talking about like Learning moments or, or, or teaching the player stuff. There's an extra layer there, which is people will not necessarily derive the correct lesson, even if you think it's a very simple, like, press this button to do this thing, because people will accidentally press two buttons. They won't realize that they pressed two buttons and that the action will be performed successfully and they'll take away the wrong lesson. They'll think it's one button when it's actually another. Or, you know, you'll have like a canned animation and you think this is not a learning moment. But the player doesn't know that they're sort of learning all the time. And so like maybe they they like touch a thing when it's playing a canned animation and they believe that they've influenced it. And now they they've quote learned this belief that oh i can influence these things by touching them and you're like oh no but like that's not we weren't teaching you that so right. like <laughs> players will take away all these these lessons that you didn't intend to teach them in the first place
1: and that's what it makes some developers inclined to restrict things even more put you in the white void or whatever colored void and only put A object in there let's take super hot for example the killer app for virtual reality essentially everywhere their fatui is literally like the white void here's an (laughs) object and then i think it says like grab the gun or grab the object whatever Mm -hmm. and in that it teaches you how you're going to be starting every level by grabbing an object the the white void is going to fade away and an enemy will like be present It's a decent fatui, but the mechanics of the game are so limited that they can get away with this. And also the narrative allows for it. Like they can get away with the whole weird white void thing. And here's one very specific action you should be doing. But for a game like Vader Immortal or Half-Life Alex, or potentially even Until You Fall, that's like a little too slow or a little too boring or a little too uh, artificial. Yeah, although I I guess the flip side of that is
0: the more artificial something is, the easier it is to like have the player shake off false assumptions almost like, yes, it's boring for the player, but basically the only thing they're going to take away are the explicit lessons that you've taught, right? Because they they understand at a certain level that this is a distinct area where like I'm being told things. This is this is not the quote real game. So I guess there is some merit there. But again, the ideal scenario is that you don't have to have that. And that, you know, I I think about like, uh, was it Shadow of War? Where basically throughout the game, you're constantly being prompted of like what actions you can do at a particular moment. So you never really have to learn button combos because the game will always help you out and tell you what you can do. Right. Taking that to VR, a good example is like highlighting doing doing multiple things on interactable objects, right? Highlighting them and then like having a little white ring around them and and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, we already see this in non-VR games, right? Like uh the modern the modern era of games, something that kind of annoys me is the the take on UI that is like let's just put a white dot on it. I liked what we had last gen and if anything I was hoping for something more like colorful and impactful for interacts in future gens but in non-VR games let's say like The Last of Us 2 or uh, God of War when you walk up to an interactable object you'll see like a white dot suddenly appear on the thing and then I think if you get closer to it the white dot will expand potentially and then say like what button you need to press I think that's a good system I like the whole like notify and then get closer and then let me know what button to press that's that's cool and we see the button prompt thing in Asgard's Wrath for, for uh, I think most of the time it's for like the characters and or stations that you can walk up and interact with, not necessarily for items. That's a, that's a decision you have to make is
0: how much are you going to load that communication onto non-diegetic UI elements? Mm-hmm. And how much are you going to load it into the like visual language of the world? An extreme example would be a game where everything that you can grab, so, uh, VR game, Everything that you can grab, the grip of the object kind of looks like the actual physical controller, right? Like That's a very intense visual mm-hmm. language choice of like, if it, if it looks like a controller, I can grab it. And like, obviously, that's very constraining. But I, I think that's also a big role of, of the first time user experience is like teach them the correct l- lessons about the visual language, right? You know, things yeah. that are green or whatever you can grab.
1: Right, yeah. If I recall correctly, Stormland, uh, remember, uh, the open world robot Far Cry type game? Like, the interacts in that, granted, you're a robot, but like, when you approached interacts, like, it would get the whole, like, digital outline to it. Like, it would get like, almost like you were a Terminator. <laughs> like, you would highlight, like, a square around the interact. Or it could also. It wasn't. It was actually any anything that was interactable in the sense of like it. You could touch it. It could touch you. So even even like enemy plants in the environment got that like square outline. But it let you know like that's a gameplay object. I should be aware of this. And it was mm-hmm. like equally identifiable for hey here's like a, a XP item. I'm gonna grab it because it's highlighted. Here's a health item it's highlighted in the same way. Um, the way they allow you the player to take the next step in learning what your environment is is like you have some sort of scanner that you could then use after it highlights something mm-hmm. i would say so i think the the last element
0: that we maybe haven't touched on is you have to account for the like wow moment of vr mm-hmm. and and this this has two effects the first is you have to give Well, you don't have to, but you should give a moment early on in your game where there's no time pressure on the player and they just they can go like, holy shit, I'm in this virtual giant space and they just like look around slack jawed and they're like, whoa, VR is so cool. Uh, And then the flip side of that is when you're testing the game, you have to make sure that that isn't affecting your test results. It's like, wow, people loved our game. It's like, no, they loved VR because they haven't played <laughs> a lot of it. But so like that's an important thing that you you have to take into account when you're designing the start of your game is you can't put time pressure on the player uh, because the player is potentially going to take like five minutes to like pick up the object versus another player who's going to take one second to pick up the object because they're, seasoned vr and they're in it they're just trying to get through this thing
1: right and and something i'd like to add is while i agree definitely don't put the player in a dangerous uh don't put the player in a like deadly scenario when they're learning something especially for the vr for their potential first time in vr or their their first time in any VR game could be another wow moment in VR. Like, you never know. So you just always want to hope for the best and maybe design for the best that, like, when players enter your game, they're going to want to, be like, soak it in and, and admire it. So what I wanted to say to that is, like, it's probably mostly fine to make them seem like they're in danger. Again referencing Vader Immortal, you're in the in the first moments you're like your ship is under fire and the character tells you to flick some switches and punch it, but no matter how long you take you're not actually going to die. There is no fail state. So it gives you the illusion of something could potentially go wrong, but they still give you like the freedom to to do it at your own pace. And that helps you to soak in the game at your own rate and, you know, just get into it.
0: Yeah, I think that's the important distinction is there can't be a fail state. If I'm jumping into Vader Immortal, I am expecting as a player some amount of that like Star Wars adrenaline hit. And so it's a great like cinematic opener. But the fact that I can take as long as I need to learn the lessons of like, oh, flip these switches and like you can grab and move levers like this. It's important that I can take an hour if needed. The tutorial or the first time user experience, whatever, the things that we try to teach the player as soon as possible, it doesn't need to be. whole game it just needs to be the bare minimum in order for the player to successfully bootstrap themselves up into playing the game so that means like if you have an excessive tutorial segment um, or you start thinking about throwing more and more stuff where you're just explicitly telling the player it's like that's a bad sign you should be taking as much as possible and sprinkling it out and embedding it into the world, into play, into the feedback and the mechanisms of your core mechanics, such that they are more learnable implicitly um, without instruction. And then you just want to think about what is the bare minimum number of of lessons that the player needs to get in order to successfully build a mental model of how to communicate and interact with the world.
1: Right. Once you have that feedback set up where you're gameplay actor or your gameplay object is basically having a conversation with the player via that feedback whether it's like as i shoot i hear a progressively loud dry click as like the as like the mag uh the bullets in my magazine run out or hearing like a Ding, 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 like increasing tone for collecting multiple of a thing or punching someone in a specific sequence. Like once you have that locked in and players can sort of understand the raw flow of that, then you can say, oh, we just need to highlight the buttons or, oh, we just need to draw a line from the button up to the player's eye level that says like what the action does. And that is your bare minimum that then the game handles carrying the rest of the way by having that feedback and or clear communication of like what is happening after they've done the inciting action
0: right and this is a constantly changing problem too uh in the vr space because even a couple of years ago we were really seeing lessons of like players are totally new to vr they don't have any expectation how do we navigate that space now we're seeing a lot more of players have played previous vr games and there are these conventions that are being built up and so now our t- our challenge is what do we strip down away from that and what do we what do we build up in its place and so now you have to think about what expectations are players coming into the game having played other games and what do you teach in relation to that rather than building from scratch
1: honestly that's kind of exciting it sounds yeah Somewhat nightmarish, like the foundation is shifting under our feet every year because people's understanding of VR and how to interact slash play is evolving and it's great, I feel fucking love it we are like nearly an hour in and i'm gonna drop an f-bomb like it is (laughs) awesome man we couldn't really walk around when vr started everybody was like okay it's either room scale so that i have the real life walk around which we already identified had some issues with it or i was just standing in one space most likely facing my forward 180 degrees and then just kind of like have my hand my actual have my arms like you know bent at a 90 degree angle and i'm like playing with my elbows tucked into my sides like now it's evolved to the point that people understand like arm swing locomotion people are more comfortable with doing uh joystick locomotion and uh, with comfort options or without comfort options and as the user base gains their vr legs and more importantly gains a baseline understanding of like vr principles in a way we're gonna see things get so much smarter and cooler and that's gonna make some amazingly fun games i hope like one year from now maybe we'll have like another like how to train your player and and it turns out like we can do way more with zero g and flying because people like are ready for that who knows yeah,
0: I'm, I am I wonder because I think it's still going to be a growing medium and so we're still going to be seeing an influx of new players for the foreseeable future. But then like the gap between new players and seasoned players is constantly growing. And I guess just that ecology of like, you are not a game just alone. You are a game in relation to all the other games on the market and what they're teaching is also scary because in a way it restricts experimentation. You're stuck doing proven methods, right? Exactly. Like you have to do even more work in order to do something new because you have all of these existing like arm swing or or whatever think lessons that people have learned. Yeah. Props to the pioneers that figured out how to teach players these new things. But now you have to do even more work in order if you want to do it differently.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: To summarize, the start of your game has to do a bunch of things. It has to teach the player about the world and and how they're going to interact with the world and how they can't interact with the world and it has to not only do these things in relation to your game but it has to tear down existing assumptions that the player brings in from the real world or from other games and it has to do this without boring them which is just a mega huge difficult problem that's thorny from so many angles and it starts feeding into the actual core design of your game and choosing how to make
1: it teachable you don't leave the fatui for last you definitely keep it in your head it's not the first thing you're building out but as soon as you have those like core mechanics in and like maybe some like game gameplay interactions set up like you can start thinking about the fatui start thinking about what do i need to teach my player what could potentially be new and maybe the best piece of advice i can give to you as a listener if you're trying to make a game and you're hoping people will play it try playing your game assuming you've never played a game before or at the very least never played your game before and just don't know what the buttons do and remember even though the player is only going to experience the first
0: time user experience once it can harm their experience of the game significantly if it's done wrong. So it is a very important thing to think about.
1: Exactly. Make sure your game starts off on the best foot it possibly can. If you like this episode and want to hear more, please visit headmountedpodcast.com and sign up for our email list to get notified about new episodes. You can check out the show on YouTube or Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, any of those platforms. If you'd like to discuss the episode or suggest future topics, visit our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast. If you're loving the show and you want to help us out, you can follow our
0: Twitter at Mounted Head and our Facebook page at Head Podcast. Most importantly,
1: you can tell your friends about us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you at the next head-mounted destination.